Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We had a very slow week, another slow week at the box office. It makes you wish you had a movie like The King's Daughter because there were no wide releases coming out this past weekend. However, it does look like there's an interesting race shaping up, one that I may have called prematurely. I'm talking about Spider-Man No Way Home and Avatar. What are the odds that we could see it outlast the Navi and make it to number three all-time on the box office charts? I'm going to break down all those numbers. We will talk about the weekend box office. But before we start that, I want to thank my partner, as always, Carbon Health. They're presenting the show as they will be for the next several weeks. And it's great having them on board with the show because they also have a mission that I can get behind. They want to make healthcare available and affordable for everyone. That's why you can check on the Carbon Health app if there is a location near you. They provide all kinds of services, including COVID-19 vaccinations and COVID-19 testing. Even though it looks like we may have passed the peak of this Omicron surge, we'll see. Uh, You never know when you might need that service, especially if you're on the road, if you're away from home. So thank you, Carbon Health, for presenting the show as always. And let's look at the weekend numbers. It was for the sixth week out of the last seven weeks, a Spider-Man No Way Home weekend. It was number one at the box office with another $11 million take. Scream was number two in second place at $7.2 million, then Sing 2 at $4.6 million, Redeeming Love at $1.7 million, and The Kingsman at number five with $1.6 million. And if it looks familiar, that's because that was the exact same top five as last week. It was a low grossing last week. It was a lower grossing this week. But that also means that there wasn't a whole lot of drop-off week to week between a lot of these movies. Spider-Man only dropped off about 20% from last week. Scream dropped off about 40%. Sing only dropped off 19%. Redeeming Love dropped off about 50% from its debut weekend. And The Kingsman almost duplicated its performance from last weekend. It only dropped off 7%. So this is the kind of thing you see when you have a slow weekend at the box office. Luckily, there are a couple of wide releases that are coming into the marketplace next week. So we're not going to see this same order next week. It was a pretty sad weekend, though, if you look at the overall performance on our road to recovery, it really looks like it's a road to ruin right now because if you look at that green line, that is the 2022 box office, another dip. And that 2021 box office, I mean, we are frighteningly close to what we were doing this time last year when there was really nothing new in the marketplace. It's just because we had Morbius pulled off the schedule. A lot of studios running scared from this last part of January, but we're looking to have a surge next week. We'll see if we can uh, get up to that point, uh, perhaps matching what we did in 2019. It all just depends on how Jackass and Moonfall do uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, But yeah, not a great start. A little bit of a bump to start week two with Scream's release, uh, but a pretty inauspicious start for 2022 at the box office. Hopefully that trend will turn around as we get deeper and deeper into the year. The main story continues to be the performance of Spider-Man No Way Home. As I've been keeping track of for the last several weeks, this is where it stands as far as all-time domestic box office grosses adjusted for inflation. It has now passed both Grease and Mary Poppins. It is only about a million dollars behind Forrest Gump. And then we're looking into a move at the top 25 all-time adjusted for inflation, displacing The Godfather. It should do both of those things by next week. So Spider-Man No Way Home, unless it hits a complete brick wall, 
overall looking to be one of the 25 highest grossing films of all time adjusted for inflation in addition to all of the other numbers that it's put up but there's one number that people have been asking about and it's honestly one that I didn't think the movie would make I think because you cleared off the schedule and because it's just a popular film it's kind of revived this discussion but we're looking now at Avatar Will Spider-Man No Way Home surpass Avatar domestically to become the third highest grossing film of all time? This is the trend line. I've removed all of the other films. This is the performance of Avatar in blue versus the performance of Spider-Man No Way Home in orange. And you see those lines going up. But look at how Avatar kind of creeping up, closing the gap. That's because that movie did a phenomenal amount of business as it went on past its opening weekend. But the other question being, does Spider-Man have enough gas in the tank to get to 700? hundred and sixty million dollars I didn't think that it did I thought that it was going to drop off more but I think because so many things are pulled off the schedule it's just left that is pretty much the only option in the marketplace so let's look at the numbers as they stand and where we need to get to in order for Spider-Man No Way Home to surpass Avatar and become the third highest grossing film domestically of all time so the question being how much does Spider-Man No Way Home need to make well Avatar's current domestic gross is at about 760.5 million dollars so to be safe, let's say that $761 million is the number that Spider-Man No Way Home needs to hit in order to surpass Avatar. Now, assuming I did some calculations on this, that No Way Home has made 96.5% of its final gross. That means that it only has 3.5% of what its eventual domestic total will be left ahead of it. 96.5% of $761 million, which is the magic number to surpass Avatar, is $734,650,000. Spider-Man No Way Home is currently tracking just ahead of that pace. And as I did the math, this seems to be the magic number. No Way Home will pass Avatar domestically if it has 3.5% or more of its final domestic gross yet to be made. So, for example, if it only made a couple million dollars more than it already has, then it would have made about 99% of its money already, and it only has about 1% of money left in the marketplace. So, does it have it in the tank? Well, there's no way of telling the future, but we can look at past performances from different films and and see what its shots may be. So this is a list of movies, the percentage of their final gross that was earned after week seven. That's where Spider-Man No Way Home is right now. We just finished week seven in theaters. And this just goes to show you the different patterns for all of these films. Titanic, for example, made $294 million after its seventh weekend. That represented about half of its domestic gross. So 49% of its money after seven weekends at the box office. You don't see that very much. Avatar made 21.7% of its final gross after the seventh weekend. So that was another movie that just had a very long run, long legs, as we like to say. But we shouldn't really be comparing Spider-Man No Way Home with Avatar or with Titanic. Those were very unique runs and uh, runs that took place in a completely different marketplace than we have now. So let's look at some of the other contemporaries. These are the other movies that are in the overall box office top 10 domestically. These are also uh, the other films in the Spider-Man franchise. So Black Panther made 7.1% of its money after week seven. The Avengers made 5.9%, along with Spider-Man Homecoming. The original Spider-Man made 5.2% of its final gross after its seventh weekend. Far From Home made 4.8%. The Force Awakens made 4.2%. Jurassic World made 4.2%. And Avengers Endgame made 3.9%. Now, the No Way Home goal percentage is 3.5%. If it has 3.5% more of its domestic gross left, it's going to hit that $761 million mark, and it's going to pass Avatar. So as you can see, all of these titles in green... 
if Spider-Man No Way Home performs like any of these titles, and these aren't the only ones, but if it plays out uh, after its seventh weekend like Avengers Endgame, it's going to pass Avatar. If it plays out like The Force Awakens or Jurassic World after its seventh weekend, it's going to pass Avatar. If it plays out like Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2 hit that 3.5% number, it's going to pass Avatar. Where it can fall short is if it runs out of steam too early. We see here Avengers Infinity War only made 3.3% of its final domestic gross after its seventh weekend. That would put Spider-Man No Way Home just short of Avatar. And then we see films like Amazing Spider-Man 2 and The Amazing Spider-Man, which made just around 2% of their final gross after the seventh weekend. Spider-Man 3, 1.8%. The Last Jedi, 1.6%. These were enormously front-loaded films that did not have those legs, did not have much gas left in the tank after their seventh weekend. And so if Spider-Man No Way Home performs like any of those films, it will fall short of Avatar. Which one of these films is Spider-Man No Way Home going to perform more like? Well, the evidence would suggest that it's not going to perform certainly like The Last Jedi or something like Spider-Man 3 because those were films that were very divisive uh, in the fan community. This is not that movie. This is a very much beloved film and one that fans keep coming back to. So when you look at the odds here, I would say the odds are that Spider-Man No Way Home, even on the low end, should just eke out Avatar's final domestic gross because so many of its contemporaries have put up the percentages that Spider-Man No Way Home needs to or more. No Way Home is actually kind of at the lower end of the percentages that a lot of these movies have put up. For me, this is a pretty incredible turnaround because I honestly didn't think it would have the longevity that it does have with the pandemic of it all, with the fact that uh, it, I thought perhaps it was front-loaded. But we have here, first of all, uh, no sign that it's going to be available on streaming anytime soon it's reported digital release date is still about a month away so that's another thing is there's no indication that sony uh, or marvel are going to pull the ripcord and give audiences another way to watch this movie other than going to the theater that's something in the pandemic era that really could have pulled the legs out uh, from no way home here we have what looks like another month or so of theatrical exclusivity that's going to work in its favor you have a popular film that's going to work in its favor. So the longevity of No Way Home, I'm changing my stance here. I thought it was unlikely that it was going to pass Avatar. Maybe this is going to bite me in the butt, but I think given these numbers that it is actually now very likely to pass Avatar. I think it's going to be very close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But given the fact that it has stayed on top, that people keep going back, as I mentioned, it only dropped 20% from last weekend, even with uh, the marketplace being as it is, with new stuff coming in, I think Morbius being pushed off the screens may just have pushed No Way Home over Avatar domestically. So this is something that I'm going to keep track of. I will keep track of these percentages, etc., and update you with how No Way Home is going to do. But I think we are looking at a very likely scenario where the Navi are looking up at your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man from number four on the domestic list. Before we move on, I want to thank today's sponsor, Stamps.com. We're all busy in one way or another, and one way that nobody really wants to spend a lot of time is taking trips to the post office. There's so much to do. You have to wait in line. People sending stuff everywhere. Why spend all of that time going to the post office when you can send things at a discount using Stamps.com right from the comfort of your own home? With Stamps.com, you get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place, plus you get big discounts on mailing and shipping 
shipping rates. This is something that I've been looking at. So many people have asked, when are you going to do merch? Are you going to do merch? Well, one of the reasons I've never really looked into it is the hassles of sending and shipping everything, of postage. But now with stamps.com, I'm actually looking at what can I make? How can I get it sent out? Because I can send it out easy and I can send it out with the discounts available using stamps.com. You can use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And then once it's ready, all you have to do is schedule a pickup or a drop-off. Plus, with Stamps.com, you can get a discount of up to 40% off of post office shipping rates and 62% off of UPS rates. Stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. And because you're a viewer of the show, there's no risk because with my promo code MURL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in MURL. That's stamps.com, promo code MURL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. LL stamps.com never go to the post office again. Let's take a look at the specialty box office or limited release. These were movies that were out last weekend in 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one, as it has been for the last couple months, is Licorice Pizza with another $630,000. At number two is an event film. Disney put this out. Uh, The Beatles Get Back, the rooftop concert. This is a segment of Peter Jackson's Beatles documentary, their famous rooftop concert, uh, which was their last live performance. They clipped out about an hour of it and put it exclusively in IMAX theaters this past weekend. That paid off. It brought in almost $400,000. Parallel Mothers is in third place with $312,000, followed by the Adrian Brody film Clean. This is not the last time we'll see this movie. In 258 theaters with $162,000. And Drive My Car in its 10th week in 114 theaters, bringing in just over $100,000. Not a bad weekend for the specialty box office. And another landmark here when we look at our per theater averages, this is the first time in a while that no wide release film has been on this list. So these are the five biggest per theater averages, all films in limited release. At number one was a 4K remaster of John Cameron Mitchell's 2006 film, Short Bus, which is known for its very frank uh, depiction of sexuality and sexual activity, uh, bringing in $12,000 in one theater. At number two is Get Back from the Beatles. So anyone running an IMAX screen that was running the Beatles concert brought in about $5,800. Sundown, which is a film that debuted last year at the Venice Film Festival starring Tim Roth, was in third place with just over $3,600 in six theaters. Compartment number six, which is from Finland. It was one of the 15 films shortlisted for Best International Film at this year's Oscars. It also tied for second at the Cannes Film Festival with Asghar Farhadi's A Hero. That's the Grand Prix at the Cannes Film Festival. In three theaters, it brought in $3,000 per theater. And in fifth place was the film that brought in the top per theater average last weekend, a re-release and remaster of Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation, still in the top five in five theaters, bringing in $3,000 per theater. Looking outside the domestic marketplace, these were the top five films internationally. At number one was Spider-Man No Way Home with $21.1 million, followed by Sing 2 with $17.4 million, Scream in third place with $6.5 million, Nightmare Alley, which is rolling out in many markets around the world following its domestic rollout at the end of last year, is in fourth place with $6.1 million, and The King's Man in fifth place with $4.2 million. And take a good look at that lineup because it is the exact same lineup up that you see worldwide. You take the domestic marketplace and the international 
international marketplace. Put them together, you have the top grossing films worldwide, and Spider-Man No Way Home remains on top. Another $32.1 million added to its worldwide total, followed by Scene 2 with $22.2 million, Scream with $13.8 million, Nightmare Alley with $6.6 million, and The King's Man with $5.9 million. Looking at where all this puts us domestically in 2022 so far, Scream remains the top film of the year with 62 million, followed by the 355, Redeeming Love, Belle, and The King's Daughter rounding out the top five. Aileen is at number six, and then we have four new films. The first is The Tiger Rising, starring Queen Latifah and Dennis Quaid. That movie will hit VOD next week. Then we have The Beatles Get Back, the rooftop concert, bringing in almost $400,000, good enough for number eight on the 2022 domestic box office list the adrian brody film clean at number nine and then the documentary gamestop rise of the players which hit about 250 screens this past weekend brought in about 74 thousand dollars enough for number 10 at the 2022 box office domestically Looking at the worldwide box office, we have our first $100 million grossing film of 2022 worldwide, and that is Scream. It has now made $106.2 million, followed by China's Another Me with $72.3 million, and The 355 with $21.2 million. The Confidence Man JP episode of The Hero is up to number four. It goes up one spot with a $12 million global gross. Followed by Bengaraju from India, dropping down one spot to number five. Then we have Redeeming Love, jumping three spots from last week. The Policeman's Lineage from South Korea. Katuri City Adventure from China. Another film from South Korea called Pirates, The Last Royal Treasure. This was released in conjunction with the New Year in South Korea. And bringing the list to a close is Hridayam from India at number 10, dropping two spots. There was one update I wanted to make to 2021's data, and that was on the 2021 domestic chart. Sing 2 has entered that chart, and it is actually at number 9. So this looks like it will be the final ranking for 2021. Sing 2 at number 9, Ghostbusters Afterlife at number 10. And a couple notable things for uh, two other films on here. One of them is Venom Let There Be Carnage, which surpassed the domestic gross of the first Venom film despite the pandemic. So that's good for for that movie and then Ghostbusters Afterlife very close to surpassing the total gross of 2016's Ghostbusters so everybody and I saw a lot of hot takes the weekend that Ghostbusters Afterlife opened saying the market has spoken about this movie versus Ghostbusters 2016 Afterlife actually had a pretty good afterlife at the box office and it looks like its final tally will be above 2016's Ghostbusters of course before you adjust for inflation. Before we look at the streaming charts, I always like to do a flashback to a previous box office weekend, and we're going back 15 years to January 26th to the 28th, 2007. One of the worst movies ever made opened at number one. Epic movie with $18.6 million. It was part of a whole series of movies that I think are just some of the worst pieces of garbage I've ever seen. I usually try to uh, make room for, you know, different viewpoints. And if you like those movies, that's good for you. I think they're utter trash. I would prefer a weekend like this one where nothing came out uh, to one like this where Epic Movie was the number one movie at the box office. Smoke and Aces came in at number two. Uh, that looks like The Godfather by comparison. Night at the Museum in its sixth weekend was in third place and Stomp the Yard in fourth place in its third weekend. And then the Jennifer Garner film, Catch and Release, Look at that, about $30,000, almost took the number four spot, but came in just below Stomp the Yard in fifth place. 
Before we go, as always, I like to look at the streaming charts to see what people are watching at home on the various streaming services, at least the ones that report some kind of data. Most don't. And let's look, first of all, at the Amazon charts. These are the movies that are most bought and rented on Amazon Prime Video. At number one is Sing 2, available premium video on demand. And then entering the chart at number two is the 355, also available premium video on demand. Ghostbusters Afterlife, available for purchase at number three. Spider-Man Far From Home and Venom Let There Be Carnage, both being rented enough to be at numbers four and five. Spider-Man Homecoming at number six. F9 is at number seven. Sing being rented in conjunction with Sing 2 on the chart at number eight. Encanto also available for rent now at number nine. And Free Guy being rented at number 10. Looking at what people are watching on iTunes, at number one is a film that was available for purchase last week, but the rental window has now opened, and that is 2021's Dune, now available for purchase and rental, and that was good enough to be number one on iTunes, followed by No Time to Die at number two, premium video on demand for Sing 2 at number three, Clean, the Adrian Brody film that we saw on the limited release chart, also on the iTunes chart, it was a simultaneous release, so people buying and renting that film at home, that's there at number four, followed by Ghost Ghostbusters Afterlife at number five, the 355, number six on iTunes. So a lot of people renting the 355, probably as disappointed as I was. Who knows, though? The Matrix Resurrections jumping onto the chart. It's available as both a purchase and a premium video on demand rental. So its exclusive window on HBO Max has run out. Venom Let There Be Carnage at number eight. Kenneth Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express comes onto the chart at number nine. I guess people uh, catching up in time for Death on the Nile, which comes out in just a couple weeks. And Free Guy rounding out the chart at number 10. And of course, finally, we have the Netflix numbers. These are the numbers that Netflix has reported for the week of January 17th through the 23rd. We're going to look first at the global numbers and then what people are watching here in the United States for that week. And looking at the most watched movies on Netflix for the week of the 17th to the 23rd, the Netflix original film, The Royal Treatment, the most watched movie in the world with 42.4 million hours watched. Followed by Brazen, Don't Look Up, The Secret Life of Pets 2, and Riverdance, The Animated Adventure. Munich, The Edge of War comes onto the chart at number six, followed by After We Fell at number seven with 8.9 steamy hours watched. How I Fell in Love with the Gangster stays on the chart at number eight. Red Notice spending its 11th weekend on this chart at number nine. And then the Netflix original Photocopier coming onto the chart in its first week at number 10. A lot more hours racked up watching series on Netflix. So let's look at the 10 most watched series on Netflix for the 17th to the 23rd. At number one remains the Colombian telenovela Café con Aroma de Mujer, season one. At number two, the fourth season of Ozark Part 1 with 77 million hours watched. So clocking in about 19 million fewer hours than the number one show. Archive 81 at number three. Season three of Too Hot to Handle at number four, followed by Stay Close at number five. The first season of Ozark being watched enough, 24.4 million hours to be the number six most watched series in the world. Followed by Cobra Kai Season 4, The Witcher Season 2, El Marginal Season 4, which is a show from Argentina at number 9, and The Queen of Flows Season 2 at number 10. And looking at what people are watching here in the United States for that same week, we don't have the number of hours watched, but we do have the rankings. The Royal Treatment was the most watched movie on Netflix for the week of the 17th to the 23rd, followed by Brazen, After We Fell, Don't Look Up, Annabelle Creation, a horror title from Warner Brothers, interesting to see on the Netflix charts, followed by Under Suspicion, Riverdance, The Animated Adventures, Just Go With It, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and The God Committee. So again, uh, not quite as many original Netflix movies 
movies on here as their release schedule slows down just a bit, but we've got Leatherface coming up. They're going to be ramping things up, so I bet we're going to see a lot more original Netflix movies on the U.S. chart. And wrapping up, as we always do with the most-watched series on Netflix in the United States, Ozark Season 4 Part 1 settles for number 2 on the global charts, but is number 1 on the United States charts, followed by Archive 81, Cheer Season 2, Too Hot to Handle Season 3, the first season of Ozark, rounding out the top 5 in the United States, Ozark Season 3 at number 6 in the U.S., followed by Cobra Kai Season 4, the limited series Stay Close, The Witcher Season 2, and then Ozark Season 2 at number 10. So all of that Ozark pushes out Coco Melon. It's a rare thing where we don't see Coco Melon on these charts, but man, people just love Jason Bateman more than they love children. I think that's the takeaway from this week. Jason Bateman more appealing to the Netflix viewers than their own children. So that wraps things up for charts this week. Keep in mind, next week we have two major releases in wide release. That would be two ridiculous films. One of them is Jackass Forever. The other one is Moonfall. I have tickets for both movies booked for Thursday evening, so be on the lookout probably Friday morning for a review of both of those films. Also in limited release, uh, a real hot ticket at the Sundance Film Festival a couple weeks ago. The Norwegian Oscar contender, the worst person in the world, is entering limited release. I expect to see that making a lot of noise on those limited release charts because this is one of those art house movies, international films that a lot of people have been anxious to see. Also coming up this week, in addition to the two reviews on Friday, we are are only about a week away from the 2022 Academy Award nominations being announced, and I'm going to do my special video, as I like to do every year, first at Screen Junkies and now here on the channel, where I pick what my nominees would be for the Academy Awards. So be on the lookout later this week as I put that video out, my picks for all the major categories. I think that 2021 was actually a really interesting year for movies and a lot of interesting options when I'm looking at what I'm going to nominate. So I have a lot of thinking to do between now and then, but keep an eye out for that. Thanks, everybody, for watching the show. Thank you, Stamps.com. And as always, thank you to Carbon Health for being our presenting partner on the show. I will be here later this week. A lot to do. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.